0: Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Well, Restoration Church, um, I've introduced myself to Dover already, but my name's Nate Gagney, and our time of preaching, we're joined together by all of our locations, and so good morning to... Plymouth, to Bethlehem, and to Milton, and anybody who's joining in online, I'm glad that you're here today. I want to give you one update on the Silver Living Home. I want to share with you an amazing miracle that God's done in our church, and then we're going to go through our message and, and, and talk and hopefully unite as a church in prayer for what, uh, something we believe that God is, is doing for all of us. So first, the Silver Living Home This week, the mudding finally started on the drywall. And uh, last year, we as a church purchased a a property in Rochester, a former salon, and we've been converting it into an eight-bedroom, 20-bed home for men to help them as they're walking out sobriety and putting some months and years under their belt as they rebuild their lives, uh, as they begin working again, as they rebuild their families. And we are close here to the finish line, definitely way closer than we've ever been. And we're going to, um, so the mudding started, it should be completed here in the, next, uh, in the next week, week and a half. And so we've got what we hope to be our final two work days coming up. So the first one's going to be on Saturday, October 14th, and we're going to be cleaning, striping the parking lot, hanging cabinets, installing toilet and vanity, assembling furniture, hanging signage, all those things are going to be happening that day, and then the second workday on October 28th, we'll be finishing anything that we didn't do, we'll be decorating the home, installing appliances, and it would be a blessing and a huge help for every person to attend one of those work days. all right, there's a lot of things to do that we can finish and button it up, and um, and then uh, have an open house, announce our opening for that, and so we want, to, we're, we're right here at the finish line to nail those two things out. There is certainly something for every ability, all right? So if the, 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 the limits of your ability is using a dustpan, um, we can use you, because we even have the dustpans with a stick on it, so you don't have to bend over, all right? So we can use you. And uh, so just look at your calendar, if you're available and you're able to help, that would be amazing. Now... I want to thank everybody for giving, serving, and praying thus far as we've gotten to where we are, and uh, very, very soon this is going to be open, and God's going to be using it to uh, help uh, help a lot of a lot of people. Now, on social media this week, we um, and and through an email that I sent yesterday, I said that there was a miracle that had happened in the church. So I want to share that with you before we, uh, even as a setup for the message. And this is a true story from someone um, within our church. Her name's Tracy. And in 2002, Tracy, during, uh, during the birth of her daughter, she developed a blood clot in her lungs, which, re- which resulted in uh, cardiomyopathy. I had when I say it, when I practice saying that, it was a lot easier to just say. And so in 2016, she had a pacemaker defibrillator installed um, to help keep her heart be, uh, active, and then if her heart stopped, to just automatically restart it. So um, as she just was, you know, living her life and dealing with this. At the beginning of this year, things became much more difficult and she was having a hard time really doing any activity. And she was gaining weight. She was suffering from major fatigue. She was having difficulty breathing. And she has been in heart failure for 20 years, but according to Tracy, she never felt this bad before. And she was beginning to realized and recognized that it just might be her time, that she was nearing the end of her life. And her prayers began to be for God to take care of her family, for God to take care of her children. And this year, it began to progress where she was uh, only able to sleep in a sitting position. She couldn't eat. She could barely get out of bed. And if you had seen her at church, she was having people help her climb the three steps to get into the building at that location. One morning, she could barely breathe, and so she went to the ER. And from there, she went to the Concord Hospital in Laconia. She had a lot of fluid in her heart and lungs. They put her on Lasix and sent her home after a week stint in the hospital. She ended up having to go back And she was in the hospital for three weeks this year. They took 30 pounds of fluid out of her body as her body was just shutting down. And they were, she was sent home once there was nothing else they could do. She went to Tufts Medical Center to get evaluated for a heart transplant. And she was weak. She needed help to walk. She couldn't drive. She couldn't go anywhere. And she couldn't even be left alone in her house. And she was certainly losing hope that any of this was going to turn out okay. Again, she began to focus her prayer on God to take care of her family when she died. On March 2nd, she had an appointment at Tufts to meet with the doctor who would would initiate and be involved in the transplant surgery and, and the recovery. She had many, many appointments for the next two months and... Um, head to toes, blood work, x-rays, breathing scans, CAT scans, ultrasound, ultrasound in the veins to make sure they were big enough to make sure they were clear for a transplant. Then on May 31st, 2023, Tracy was placed on the heart transplant list. So what that meant was she was, needed to be within four hours of Tufts at all times. You just live your life In a four-hour vicinity of Tufts, because at any moment they could call and say, we have a donor, you need to come here and prep for surgery. She was very sick, and this is her words, I felt hopeless and useless. I want to read this next part to you, but I feel that it is something that we should honor and so I'm going to ask everybody at every location, if you stand to your feet as we share this next part. On May 31st, she was placed on the transplant list. On June 4th, four days later, she came to the Dover location for that worship night. And if you were here, you remember that night. It was a long day and she was so tired and she sat mostly for worship and As we do every worship night, we have moments of prayer. And so she and her husband came forward to pray for their children. And then she went back down and sat back down and her husband left to the restroom. And in that moment, we opened and said, if you need prayer for healing, would you come forward? And Tracy was glad that her husband was in the restroom because she didn't want to come forward. She turned around and her husband was quickly coming down the aisle and he said in the bathroom he heard us call for prayer and he came to his wife and he said we're going up front you're going to get healed they walked up to the altar and asked for a full healing in her heart she said as the couple prayed my mind calmed and I thought only of Christ and I asked God if he was willing he would heal me or bring me home and watch over my family. The room was quiet, and I felt three strong beats in my chest, and I heard it just as loud as I felt it. I was surprised and did not know what just happened. I went back to my seat and did not say anything about what I felt. I did not mention it for days. I felt different instantly. I could breathe and was not exhausted. By Friday, I told my husband what had happened. A week later, I told, my friends, I told some of my friends and family, from June 18th to the 23rd, we went camping and I had never felt this good in 20 years. Nothing stopped me from enjoying my time with my kids and grandkids. August was my niece's wedding. I danced all night celebrating her marriage with our family. I couldn't believe how amazing I felt. My blood pressure was normal, no fatigue, no limitations. I could sleep on my back again. I did not have to use the carts at the stores. I went kayaking with friends and stayed awake all day. Now we've known about this for a little bit, but we've been waiting for, for just the doctors to confirm that we're not making this up. I don't know what we're, but for, some people won't believe a miracle until a doctor confirms them. on September 4th She went back to Tufts for a check-in. And I've got the notes from that doctor's visit here. The doctor said, my recovery was amazing. The, The nurse asked, what was the cause of my dramatic improvement? And I told them, we went to worship night at church, and God healed my heart. The doctor says they don't normally do heart transplants on people who go kayaking, and I agreed. In her doctor's notes here from her appointment, all the tests they did, and here it notes, regular heart rhythm, normal heart rate. First time her heart tested like that in 20 years. This week, she had the second checkup, the one she was waiting for the most. She had her appointment with her cardiologist at the New England Heart and Vascular Center. The doctor asked me how I feel, and he had heard the news from Tufts. He listened to my heart and said it sounded great. He was excited for me and said, congratulations. He had told me he had heard of some miracle healings from patients before in his in his career, and was so happy that it was Tracy because he had known her as a patient for so long. And this is the part I put in the email. He, he said he would like to say he had something to do with it, but there is no explanation besides a higher power. From Tracy to you guys, thank you everyone who prayed for me, and especially thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, can we, at every location, as we're reminded, we have a God who heals. A God who heals, who, who can take physical hearts and make them new again, but also can take our spiritual hearts and make them new again. Can we give a huge shout of praise to our God? <clears throat> I invite you to sit down. If this was the 1980s, we would have had our pianists play Look What the Lord Has Done and we would started marching around the room. <laughs> but I'm not that guy. <laughs> Praise our God. It's a miracle. A miracle, in a case, because we can call things miracles, right? But a miracle is a demonstration of God's power, which acts as a sign to show that God is at work. God is at work. That's not the only miracle that has, get, that has happened in, in our services, in our worship nights this year. That's just definitely, though, one miracle that makes the hardest skeptic perk up and pay attention. You may be able to explain it another way, but even the doctors cannot. Hearts don't just become new again. God has done a miracle. I think that the timing of Tracy's miracle, it's not random. I I think that God... He healed her at the worship night. He, 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 you know, with the timing of her appointments, because with her having an appointment this week and us making the announcement this week, as well as the things that we need to talk through today, I think that God orchestrated it because he needed our faith to be increased. One, he wanted your faith to increase for the prayer and, and for the, the healing that he wants to do in your life and that you need in your life. Secondly, As this morning, as we prepared this message and been preparing for this Sunday morning over the last few weeks, we believe that God has a miracle he wants to perform for our entire church. And I'll tell you about that one in a minute. But I think the the, the heart transplant miracle to be shared today, timed with this prayer moment and this opportunity before us that, that we're going to talk through today, that God orchestrated it all, because he wants our faith in him to increase. He wants us to pursue him as the God of miracles, the God of power, the God that's above, above everything, that has dominion over everything, that has power over everything. He wants us to serve him with that assurance and that confidence of who he is and what he can do, and who he is and what he wants to do. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Isaiah, chapter 45. There's a few different scriptures that I wanted to share today, but we're going to lock just in on this one. And I, I, I maybe will refer you to there's Deuteronomy and Joshua passage that kind of coincide together that, that are a little bit similar in theme. But for time, we're going to just tune in on this one. And this was a prophecy given by the prophet Isaiah. And I want to read it to you. So when he says, this is what the Lord says. God has spoken something to Isaiah to share with God's people. And so this is what we read in in chapter 45, Isaiah 45, verses 2 and 3. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. I want to give you a little bit of, just a little bit of understanding of this scripture. First off, if you've If you were here, we went through a series of two years ago, maybe, in the book of Ezra. And so you'll recognize the name Cyrus from the book of Ezra. You'll recognize it, the name Cyrus also from the book of Nehemiah. And so you can think that maybe just, if you're not paying attention, that Isaiah is just talking to Cyrus. One thing to note about this is that Isaiah wrote this scripture 150 years before Cyrus came into power. This was a prophecy, a direct, specific prophecy as God knew in advance who'd be in charge. God knew in advance how he'd anoint a pagan king to set his people free. God knew in advance how he was gonna orchestrate everything for his glory and for his name to be lifted high. I was 150 years later, approximately, when Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia, invaded Babylon. He took the city. He released the Jewish people who had been taken captive there and had been held in captivity for 70 years. And he gave them the permission and the instructions to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the city and to rebuild the temple. 150 years. just amazing to think about me saying um, I'm going to write a letter here to my great-great-great grandchildren and to say, dear, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some futuristic name, dear Del, dear, dear Macintosh. I don't know what, we'll name, what weird names we'll be naming kids in the future, I just wanted you to know, and for me to know names of people 150 years from now, but God knows every detail, past, present, and future. As we look at the scripture, you can look at verse number two first. There's a, some things about this scripture, some things about this timeline, some things about our church some things about our lives that we're gonna make some connections with. The first truth that we find here, the first promise in here is that God will go first. God will go first. I remember, and there's probably been different times you've experienced this, but I remember one time, late night, late night, someone, I get the phone call. This is like 10 years ago. Hey, someone, it's the, the dispatcher. Hey, your alarm's going off at the church. There's a door open. Someone's broke in um, Okay, I'll meet you there. And I, for whatever reason, at that time I lived close. I get here before the police. And so there's an empty, dark church building. And I have the option to go in first. (laughs) I waited for the police. And I wasn't like, here, let me give you your tour guide. I was like, why don't you give me a tour guide? And I let them go in with their guns drawn. All right? All right. And I let them go in first. And this is the promise from God. I'm going to go first. I'm going to ask you to do some scary things. I'm going to ask you to do some hard things. I'm going to ask you to do things that are way beyond your ability. We're going to go into the enemy's territory. and We're going to take some things back. But guess what? I'm going first. And that should give us some confidence. That promise It's a foundation for all the rest. I'm going to go before you. We need God to go before us. Not every now and then. Not like, God, I get this one. You know, the building's lit up. Everything looks fine. God, I, I can do this one. We need God to go first every time. In every area of our life. God, go before me, and I'm going to follow you. God, you set the path, and I'm going to follow you. God, you show me the way, and I'm going to follow you. Not venturing out on our own. Not deciding, God, I'll go, and you follow me. God, I'm going to be in charge, and the director, and the decision maker in my life. You're going to come follow me, and bless me whenever I ask. If we are not led and guided by him daily, we will be sure to go astray. If we're not led by him daily, we find ourselves in weeks, months, years, or decades so far from him with our lives blown up, wondering how did this happen. The second promise here in verse number two is he says, I'll go before you and I will level the mountains. As we think about our journey and where we're going to go and where God's calling to us, we can see the mountains, huge obstacles in the way. God and his will cannot be thwarted. They're not stopped by any obstacle in our way. They aren't. He says, I'll go before you, and I'm going to lay it flat. But will we be on that path of following him? He's going to lay it flat for us. He's going to clear it for us. And it'll be maybe a little bit like like an Atari video game that didn't have enough memory, so you'd be riding, and then the mountains would appear as you're coming. Like it was, you know... Maybe no one else gets that. Sorry for such a terrible illustration. But as we're walking with him, we see it in the horizon. And because that mountain and that obstacle's there, we get too scared. And so we dismount. We're gonna, I'm going to go around. I'm going to go around. And rather than waiting, because it'll be that step that all of a sudden he clears a path. And we want to, God, just show me. If I can't see from here to California, God, there's no way I'm going to start their journey from here to California. But it's this promise. I'll lay it flat. I'll lay it flat. I'll lay it flat. God has... What well, we don't want to find ourselves and sometimes where we do find ourselves is God has gone before us. God has made the mountains flat and he turns around and we're not there. And there are certainly all kinds of examples we can share, but I thought about this one this week, and it's one that I counsel and try to encourage so many people on, where a, there's a prayer, God, send me someone godly to be in a relationship with, and God said, I'm going to go before you, I'm going to make the path straight, and he turns around, and he's got a promise to deliver, and we're not there anymore, When God comes with that moment and that miracle, we've disengaged and we're not even the godly people. We're asking God for things. We've got to trust him to deliver those things and not bail out and find our own way around or try to create our own thing. The next thing is that God will break it open Gates of bronze and, uh, 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 and bars of iron. Cyrus, he invades and he conquers the great empire of Babylon. And Jesus made a promise to us that sounds pretty similar in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And Upon this rock, I will build my church and all the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's going to break down every iron, every gate, every shackle, every bar that the enemy tries to put to defend his territory. He cannot defend it against the power of God. Uh, Next thing here, if you look at verse number three again, it says, I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. As we follow God, As we pursue God, despite our our understanding of what obstacles are before us, despite opposition that stands before us, God will give it all. I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. This does not mean that these treasures themselves are darkness, but that they're hidden in darkness until they're brought to light. We begin to ask, and I would love an audible response on this, are there not treasures in Jesus? And they seem to be hidden to so many people. Why would I want to follow Jesus? Why would I want to give my life to Jesus? Why would I want to come and be a part of a church? Why would I give my money? Why would I pray? Why would I, why would I do any of those things? And we know because there's treasures in him that can only be found in him. They're hidden, though, from our eyes and our hearts until we're brought into them through salvation. The treasure you find in Jesus, man, it's greater than the treasures you think you'll find in this world. There's always something waiting for us when we're on the path that God has. The last thing here, again in verse number three, it says, I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel. God healed Tracy, Tracy. Not our prayer team. God healed Tracy, not our worship night. Did he do that just to heal Tracy? No, he did it so he would get the glory. So others would know and hear that Jesus is Lord. So others would know that God is real. So others would begin to investigate him, put their trust in him, give their lives back to him, repent of their, and walk away from their sin to serve the God who's real and the God who's powerful, I will do this so you'll know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel. We believe that there's things that God has stored up to give us as a church, as individuals, but right now I want to talk about corporately as a church. We believe there's things God has stored up for us as a church, but we need to pray to take possession of it. The scriptures in Deuteronomy and Joshua were both talking about the promised land. In Deuteronomy, it was speaking prophetically. Joshua was speaking as a reminder. I will give you uh, vineyards you did, not, you did not plant. I'll give you houses you did not build. I will, and it was a promise from God to take care of their needs. It was a promise from God stay on the path of following me, and there is going to be an outcome you receive. So... You know, I'm lead pastor of the church. I've got a few different hats that I wear, and sometimes it's difficult. One of those is the hat of organizational leader, and it's things like, uh, well, well, a couple of hats. Sorry, right, let me just tell you the hats. Organizational leader, spiritual leader, and then I've got just my hats of being husband and dad, helping to, help, helping to wash my wife with the word, helping to disciple my kids to be followers of Jesus. As organizational leader, I'm making sure we're stewarding well the resources God has given us. People, buildings, finances, equipment, putting together a strategy for capital improvements, writing budgets, creating leadership development, organizing org charts, the part of the, the job that um, that is just part of the job. But I've got a spiritual <laughs> hat. As a spiritual leader, I carry a burden for your soul. Preaching the kingdom of God, that you would step into it and receive it. Preaching repentance, that you would walk away from your sin and and follow the Lord again. Preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that that he forgives, that he saves, that he's resurrected. Praying that you'd find the treasures of knowing and following Jesus. Having days like this morning at 4.57 will all of a sudden I'm awake and instantly begin to pray for you. Praying against the powers of darkness that are trying to snatch you, that are trying to collapse the church, that are trying to keep you in bondage, that are trying to destroy. As an organizational leader, the board and I, the church board and I, We've had an opportunity placed in front of us that we've spent the summer talking about and praying about. We believe that we're on the precipice of something that can really impact our church and future generations. We feel that this opportunity that's placed in front of us is an answer to many of the prayers we have prayed over the last couple of years. We want to honor God, though, despite what we feel. It's the opportunity placed in front of us, and it just is a feeling that God is orchestrating this. As a spiritual leader, I stand in front of you, though, and I'm asking you to join us in prayer. For the next 21 days, I'm asking you to join us in prayer. And I don't know who I'm looking to to hand these out, but at every location, we've got, we, I've got some, some prayer guides, some prayer cards that I want you to have to just help you, to help you to have some focused prayer over these days, We'll probably send out some emails about other specific things that you can pray through. And we're, let me say this, I, I don't have enough information to share with you beyond what I've shared, but I have enough information to ask you to pray. Would um Owen would you grab the other stack that Rob has and you just help him get one side? There's some some prayers we need to pray together. God open doors. God help us not to coast. If we were to pray. For miracle doors to open, we want to pray for the things on this card. We want to pray, God, how can I, what's my part? How can I invest more? God, what part can I do on here? As you hold that prayer card in your hand, I want you to place this where you're going to see it every day, because it's easy. You're going to put it in your back pocket. You're going to leave it on your seat. I need you to be diligent with me, church, to pray with me to pray with me and the board. and You can ask questions. What's this about? Listen, most of the staff has no idea what we're even praying about. They I know as much information as you do. I've preached a message. I've given a card. And I said, we have an opportunity we need to pray about. Knowing what the opportunity is is not gonna help you pray better. We just need to pray, God, speak to us. God, Lead us. So place this where you see it every day. Is it in your Bible where you're doing your devotions every day? Is it on your speedometer? And so every day as you begin to drive, just move it to the side. All right. <laughs> but but where you're gonna see it every day right there. Oh yes, I need to pray. And you'd pray during your commute. Don't turn it on Dr. Dre, begin to pray. Put it inside your put it inside your coffee urn. Put it where you'll see it every day. Place it on your Peloton. put it where you'll see it every day that every day. Or in the next 21 days you pray this. you can pray one every day and just keep rotating you can pray the things God in your put in your heart. But again, we're praying for God's wisdom, for God's uh, will to be done for, for God to orchestrate all the, just the, the opportunity and for us to know that we prayed to take possession of what he had for us or we prayed and God spoke and just let us know I've got other I've got other things I've got other ways and what will happen is uh, and and the band can come up I'll try to I'll try to give you more information each week after I preach Um, but if I don't have more information I'll just say keep praying keep praying and at one point I may come up hey God has closed the door we know it's not what he has, or I'll begin to share with you more details about what's happening. This is not an opportunity that we saw. There's not an opportunity that we were looking for. It's just one that kept coming in front of our face. And we've been praying God, what does this mean? God, what do you want? God, what does this mean? And as we've come to here, it's time to get the whole church praying. Pray prayer of faith, bold prayers. Pray a prayer of surrender. God, not my will, but your will be done. Pray a prayer of worship. God, for your glory, that others will know you as we have known you. Pray a prayer of impact. God, don't just, make, don't just do it for us, but do it for the generations yet to come. Do it for, for, for Macintosh Gagney, who's going to be born 150 years from now. A prayer of unity, and I'll speak to this one a little bit a little bit longer. That criticism, gossip, complaining, man. May our hearts be for each other. May our hearts be with grace. May our hearts be 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 litter, be uh, sprinkled with grace and love and compassion for each other as a church may the enemy not get in and divide us in a prayer of burden because any opportunity that God's putting before us it's for just one more it's that others may know his name and others may receive him church would you stand and I want to pray and then our bands are going to lead us to sing for a moment before service is ending i want you to pray hopefully with the fervency you'll pray every morning to pray with me right now jesus we thank you for the miracle you've done in tracy's life we thank you for the miracle you've done of all the salvations in our in our church last week for the water baptisms that we've seen this year for the financial miracles that you've done gone for the the things that you've done in our life to set us free, to draw us closer to you, the things that you've spoken, the ways that you've encouraged us, that you've been with us. And we have no desire to be on this path of, of being a church on our own. We have no desire of being just a place where we show up and where we leave. God, we are your church, assembled by you to accomplish your good, to share your good news, to reach your children. And I pray, God, we will always be in the position to do that. I pray, God, that we'd surrender anything in our life that we need to. We'd surrender positions. We'd surrender titles. We'd surrender resources. We'd surrender attitudes. We'd surrender sins. We'd lay everything before you. You're God. Take what you want. Use what you want. Anything that will give you glory, Jesus. Our life, our church, Everything is yours. Use it as you will. Use it as you may. Use it as you desire. We pray, Lord God, for you to speak clearly to the board. They will hear your voice. They will walk in that confidence. They will walk in that peace. God, for for me, you'd encourage me. You would help me. God, that like Caleb and Joshua, I would see, I would see giants. And I'd say, but God is with us. No one could be against us. And may we never play it safe here at Restoration Church. May we always be about the kingdom of God. May we always be about taking ground from the enemy to grow the kingdom of God. And I pray that will always be who we are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.